So, uh, we're going to continue with the Gospel of Thomas. Three versions uh, from Marvin Meyer, then Thomas Lambden, and then I believe it's an Andrew Bernhard uh, interlinear version. And last time we ended at 61. Today we're going to go starting with 62. Uh, and I'll try to restrain myself from uh, overextended commentary. So, 62, starting with Meyer. Yeshua said, I disclose my mysteries to those who are worthy of my mysteries. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Lambden. Jesus said, It is to those who are worthy of my mysteries that I tell my mysteries. Do not let your left know what your right is doing. Meaning left hand, right hand. Now, people today have a whole problem with the notion of worthy. Uh, worthy is also a term used for monks in Chinese Buddhism. Uh, a worthy, an old worthy. Uh, which means a virtuous one. And anybody who's, who's really following Panchashila or the rules of morality um, could be called morally worthy um, in terms of their function. There's a difference between worthy as a soul um, and the, you know, as an entity from the logos or their one's existential ontological nature as intrinsically worthy. But there are, in time and space, some people... Um, you know, live in ways that are uh, associated with seeking benefit to self and other, or um, to to live harmlessly. And to me, that's more worthy than people who are selfishly harming, deliberately harming people around them. So, one needs to consider that term worthy. Disclosing mysteries to those who are worthy of my mysteries is basically. Um, don't throw your seeds on rocky soil they'll just die and uh, be eaten by the birds and they won't sprout and um, lead to crop and so it is the case that, that um, higher teachers don't give everything to everybody and um, the higher dimensional ashrams or upper astral ashrams are not open to all they're only open by invitation <laughs> they're only open to those who are qualified by uh, making themselves worthy by uh, morality and concentration, meditation and uh, virtue in mind and, and activity um, and sincerity and a willingness to um, put aside the lower for the higher and so it's understandable that Yeshua would basically say I, I'm not going to tell everybody everything and I'm not going to provide you with that which you can't use and appreciate and that's another important principle it's not good for us to give something valuable to those who will trample underfoot or those who don't appreciate or those who can't use it don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing is a little difficult because uh, it's obviously symbolic uh, it may be associated with um, seeing the Pharisees as left-hand path and those that are uh, associated with um, the kingdom of heaven 
or the way of love, wisdom, righteousness. Uh, his followers or those who are following the narrow way uh, are on the right hand. Uh, I'm not really sure what it means. Don't let your left know what your right. Let's go to the interlinear. Says Yeshua, I tell my mysteries to those who are worthy of my mysteries. That which thy right shall do it, do not cause thy left to understand that it does them. <laughs> and so, uh, again, it's a little uncertain to me, but uh, what's the linkage between right hand and left hand activity and not letting um, the left hand know what the right is doing? Surely if the right hand is associated with being worthy of the mysteries or receiving esoteric teaching. It is important um, not to blab. And um, one of the qualifications, actually, that's a serious matter for those who are being initiated in any real tradition, positive tradition and negative, uh, is secrecy and uh, keeping it to yourself. And um, preserving um, preserving that which is precious from possible harm from those who are um, harmful or um, uh, unprepared and unworthy in a sense for being included in something that's precious. It's not superiority. It's actually um, protection of that which is uh, of that which is precious and to be cherished which includes teaching and relationship with a teacher and certain group activity so there is some need to uh, preserve by uh, separation that which is uh, of worthy or mystery 63 starting with Meyer Yeshua said there was a rich person who was very wealthy he said I shall invest my money so I may sow, reap, plant, and fill my storehouses with produce. Then I shall lack nothing. This is what he was thinking in his heart, but that very night he died, whoever has ears should hear. This is like the analogy of the rich man. From Lambden, Jesus said, There was a rich man who had much money. He said, I shall put my money in use so that I may sow, reap, plant, and fill my storehouse with produce, with the result that I shall lack nothing. Such were his intentions, but the same night he died. Let him who has ears hear. Uh, and so, mm, at least at one level, there's the comparison between the accumulation of worldly material riches versus the need to um, pay attention to one's spiritual development and the fact that we will all die. We will all die and leave this world. Uh, if we're not ready <laughs> for leaving this world, we will die confused, as most humans do. Uh, if we understand the purpose of this life in the context of um, the transit into this life and out of this life from where we're going, uh, the higher realms, whether it's wanderers home for wanderers or the astral and higher self for anyone else, uh, 
to know uh, where we're going helps us prepare or live our life in accord with the reality of the purpose of this phase of the journey incarnation as simply a certain as a, a limited phase of development we come we develop we leave and so the rich man of the world or the hylics and the psychics versus the nomadics or the gnostics the men the, the rich men of the earth or those that love matter or those that go no further than um, material view materialist view uh, may die at any time and they will die eventually uh, and and if they don't make spiritual progress then um, they will find um, disappointment after death and so uh, you may you know gain much here what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul this kind of teaching uh, it is important uh, to <laughs> live our life in accord with the reality that we are soon to leave whether it's uh, five years or 25 years or 55 years uh, we will leave from the interlinear says Yeshua was there being a person wealthy has he many riches says he I shall act to use my riches so that I shall sow and reap and plant and fill my storehouses with fruit so that not I become needful of anything these were his thoughts about them in his heart mind and in the night which is that that did he die he who has ears of him let him hear and um, again what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul or gain the world and not prepare for leaving this world gain the world only to lose it at death uh, now of course there is a negative path uh, but if you don't know what your soul path is or your the, the orientation at base of beingness then if you're playing on the left hand path uh, you may have a rude awakening on the other side as Crowley does 64 Yeshua said a person was receiving guests when he prepared the dinner he sent his servant to invite the guests the servant went to the first and said my master invites you that person said some merchants owe me money they are coming tonight I must go and give them instructions please excuse me from dinner the servant went to another and said my master invites you he said to the servant I have bought a house and I've been called away for a day I have no time the servant went to another and said my master invites you he said to the servant my friend is to be married and I am to arrange the banquet I can't come please excuse me from dinner the servant went to another and said my master invites you he said to the servant I have bought an estate and I'm going to collect rent I shall not be able to come please excuse me the servant returned and said to his master those you invited to dinner have asked to be excused the master said to his servant go out into the streets and invite whomever you find for the dinner buyers and merchants will not enter the places of my father and uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing from Lambden <laughs> because I think we get the point 
uh, a man wishes to invite guests to dinner. He prepares the dinner, sends his servant to invite the guests. Of course, this is an analogy for Yeshua, the host, inviting humans or those with ears to hear to come partake, uh, partake of what he, of the nourishment he provides, obviously, spiritual nourishment, the nourishment of the kingdom of heaven within and the heavenly father and, um, you know, uh, the fruits of the path. Uh, and Yeshua, you know, offered this message to all and many and or most rejected. Same thing even at the time of Gautama, many people reject. Even at the time of Nichinanda, um, he lamented somewhat or had some expressed some dismay, it said, that um, over decades he gave thousands of people just what they wanted, but, but very, very few uh, went from their material desires to spiritual desires and then uh, moved up to seeking uh, their own, you know, guidance for their own awakening or, or salvation from 3D materiality. So few asked, so few partook. And so here's the same, um, the same configuration. The invitation goes out freely uh, to, we can say, the businessmen and the merchants, to the buyers and the sellers and uh, those who care about money, you know, those who gain the world, uh, and often at the cost of their soul. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people in this world who um, are very concerned with material aggrandizement and are not on the negative path. <laughs> they don't know anything necessarily about path. They're just digging themselves in for further 3D repeating. But they don't even believe this stuff. So it's our catalyst to be in a world with people who reject <laughs> the guidance that might they may use to help themselves. So... Uh, invitations go out to these businessmen, merchants, buyers. They refuse uniformly uh, because um, they would rather, you know, they're they're putting precedence on the material, on gaining money, which is not a bad thing. But uh, they take they take the lesser and refuse the greater. And I think we have to be careful about that and also acknowledge that there is greater and lesser. And when Ra was asked about their purpose in speaking, Ra also said that um, not only providing information, but a proper weighting, uh, like valuation of information. And there's a difference between transient information and the principles of soul evolution, meaning the ways of balancing mind-body-spirit and continuing on the path and the nature of purpose of cosmic plan and soul evolution uh, the nature of the path the nature of the self the nature of plan and um, the work that um, benefits us most in this dimension that is critical information and of greater value than that which um, doesn't help us as much and so uh, from the Lambden translation again I'm not going to read it because it just goes on and on you get the point, it's a pretty straightforward point putting the material above the spiritual uh, 
the final exchange between master and servant, uh, and and the original uh, Coptic is slave. So, um, but that doesn't mean uh, abused, um, beaten, continually slave. There is a, there were other dynamics going on, I think, in those societies than we imagine, and the the word slave. Uh, I'm not saying you know I I uh, respect you know <laughs> that I'm not saying I I like uh, condone slavery, but um, the word slave uh, or servant um, may not give us a clear sense of exactly what was going on because some of these were voluntary relations. It seems. Anyway, at the end, says the master to his slave, "Go to the side outer, to the roads." Those whom thou shalt find them, bring them, so that they shall act to dine the agent, the buyers with the sellers, they shall go not into the places of my father. And and you can see from, I can see from the uh, interlinear, uh, all sorts of interesting things. Uh, one, <clears throat> uh, we're talking about buyers and sellers merchants and businessmen, but the emphasis is on buying and selling, getting and giving for, um, you know, material transaction. That's the way of the worldly. Uh, while here, uh, Yeshua is holding, you know, the, the, the host, Yeshua as the host, is offering a dinner, um, not buying and selling. He's not, not offering a restaurant but offering a banquet or a meal uh, for those who wish to come. And uh, that's the whole notion of uh, spirituality should be free. Uh, and, you know, some people say, oh, you pay, you charge for something, then you're a bad teacher, you're a false teacher, everything you say is untrue, you're a bad guy, boo-hoo. Um, but actually, there is exchange. It's just not a material exchange. <laughs> Between teacher and student, or for us seeking information, or gaining teaching, um, whether even whether or not there's a person, and whether or not there's a physical, material, financial price tag, there is a giving and a taking, actually. And in a way, um, to be able to learn, we must give a receptivity, or give an open mind, give a hearing, give and lend an ear, and that's not a little matter because. Very few people can slow down and listen. And some very spiritually minded people have a hard time slowing down and listening. And listening is the key to learning, it seems to me. And that is a giving. Uh, that is required for a true assimilation of teaching. Certainly even to consider a teaching, we have to pay mind, pay heed to it. That is a payment. And um, don't think that the great teacher just sits around waiting for every, every, uh, you know, every curious fellow to come ask endless questions. That is not the case either. And so we have a lot of misconceptions about the um, non-immateriality of, of the teacher-student relationship. It's immaterial in terms of, of, of financial price pricing. However, there is an exchange. There is a giving and a taking. Um, and But it's not a material taking. 
for the teacher, obviously. Um, but there is a substantial, significant metaphysical or uh, heart offering um, needed to be learning with the teacher or even with the teaching, even alone. Anyway, uh, the buyers and the sellers, they're not going to go to the places of my father. It's not just one place. My father's house has many mansions, is another paraphrase of something in the New Testament. So I think these are interesting uh, statements. 65, starting with Meyer. He said, A usurer owned a vineyard and rented it to some farmers to work it, and from them he would collect its produce. He sent his servant for the farmers to give him the produce of the vineyard. They seized, beat, and almost killed his servant, who returned and told his master. His master said, Perhaps he did not know them. And he sent another servant, but they beat him as well. Then the master sent his son and said, Perhaps they will respect my son. Since the farmers knew the son was the heir of the vineyard, they seized him and killed him. Whoever has ears should hear. Of course, he's talking about himself. And so, uh, the uh, let me go to the Lambden 65. <clears throat> See, this is interesting now. We'll have to look at the interlinear, but uh, the Lambden version shows the phrase, there was a good man who owned a vineyard. Meanwhile, the um, Meyer version, there was a usurer, meaning somebody who charges usury or charges interest on loan or lends money at interest. Usury is a super-duper sin in the Old Testament or at least in the New Testament. Uh, I don't know if the Jews practiced usury from the start, from the get-go. Probably they did. Uh, and I believe Islam and Christianity are very heavily against usury. In, in uh, Islam, it's called riba, and uh, Sheikh Imran Hussein talks about it often. So, even though many Islamic banks do uh, interest-based loans and this and that, and that's called riba, and it's uh, haram, it's a sin, or forbidden. So why uh, Meyer said a usurer, and Lambden says a good man, I don't know, later we'll check the interlinear, the uh, Lambden version, 65, he said, I mean Yeshua said, there was a good man who owned a vineyard. He leased it to tenant farmers so that they might work it and he might collect the produce from them. He sent a servant so that the tenants might give him the produce of the vineyard. They seized a servant and beat him, all but killing him. The servant went back and told his master. The master said, perhaps he did not recognize them, meaning um, uh, he, the servant, didn't recognize the farmers or there was some misunderstanding. So we sent another servant. The tenants beat this one as well. Then the owner sent his son and said, Perhaps they will show respect to my son. Because the tenants knew that it was he who was the heir to the vineyard, they seized him and killed him. Let him who has ears hear. So people do this, you know. <clears throat> I mean, I can't imagine doing that, but some stupid humans do it. Uh, they think, oh, he's the boss's son, so let's kill him and take it over. That's the mind that goes to hell. That's the mind living in hell, in body, going to hell, lower astral after death. Linterlinear version, maybe give us a little clarity here, 65. 
uh, says he, which I guess was Yeshua, says he, a person kind hmm, was having a place of vineyard. Did he give it to some cultivators so that they shall act to work it and he receive its fruit from there, from hand there? I'll read this again. Says he, a person kind was having he a place of vineyard. Did he give it to some cultivators so that they shall act to work it and he receive its fruit from hand there? Did he send his slave so that the cultivators shall give to him the fruit of the place of vineyard? Did they seize his slave? Did they beat him? Was another little being? They are killing him. Hmm. Did the slave go? Did he tell it to his master? Says his master, Perhaps was not he recognized by them. Did he send another slave? Meaning he did send another slave. Did the cultivators beat the other one? Meaning they did. Did the cultivators beat the other one? Then did the master send his son? Says he, Perhaps they will be mandated by heart-mind his of my son. Did the cultivators who there, because they recognize that he is the heir of the place of vineyard, did they seize him? Did they kill him? He who has ears of him, let him hear. So, interestingly, the interlinear clears it up. The word was not usual. The word was kind. Mr. Marvin Meyer, who was Jewish, uh, changed the word kind to the word usurer. I wonder why. Sounds a little bit fishy to me. There was a good man who owned a vineyard, translates Lambden. A person kind was having he a place of vineyard, translates Bernhard in the interlinear. Mr. Meyer may have to explain this someday, um, why he uh, led astray <laughs> some people here uh, to say that this was a bad guy who owned the vineyard. What? So it's okay that his son got killed? But the original from Yeshua was a kind man or a good man translated by Lambden so we see the limits of Mr. Meyer not surprising says he a person kind was having a place so it's a good guy with a vineyard sends a servant to collect produce or the rent first they kill the first then they kill the second servant then they send, he sends his son and they kill him too which is um the person kind of the vineyard is the Heavenly Father. The servants are the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, the son is Yeshua. The final servant, perhaps, was John the Baptist, who you know, opened the way for Yeshua. And Yeshua was the son. And they killed him, too, in the story and um, you know, in the historical um, story <laughs> of crucifixion. So, the interesting some other interesting points about looking into the um, the literal translation interlinear uh, from Lambden's the idea perhaps why did he send the son perhaps they'll show respect to my son and Lambden has perhaps they'll respect my son so there is the idea of I send my son because then you'll listen and and produce and and the idea is to send is to uh, provide um, produce to the owner of the vineyard as per contract. And this is associated with harvest in the end of the 3D cycle. 
It's associated with, I would say, the needed uh, spiritual work that humanity is here for. You know, we're not here for planet vacation. This is not planet Hollywood vacation time. There is a piece of work um, sought by higher self and the Logos uh, as the basis for incarnation. Uh, it doesn't mean it's, uh, you know, life of pain, but it's um, life of directed effort um, seeking. Seeking what? Seeking the purpose of the fulfillment of life. The purpose of third density is to learn the ways of love. The purpose of incarnation is the evolution of mind, body, spirit. So, the purpose of life or incarnation is evolution of what we are, mind, body, spirit. The purpose of third density specifically is uh, to learn the ways of love. And yes, there are two paths. But that's the work that is sought to be done by the Logos, by Atman, um, by the soul in coming here and incarnating. And that's similar to um, providing the contracted produce payment uh, of the cultivators, the farmers in the field, uh, for the vineyard owner, similar to that. <clears throat> and interestingly, instead of the notion of just respect my son, you know, I'll send my son, Yeshua, so that errant, uh, renegade humanity might actually come to realize that there's something going on here other than their own uh, buying and selling, perhaps they will be mandated by heart-mind, his of my son, is the interlinear. Perhaps they will be mandated by his heart, by my son's heart-mind. It's a different, much more sophisticated or subtle way of expressing they'll respect him. <clears throat> they'll respect him because he's the owner's son. Uh, the original is closer to they will, they will get a sense of their own responsibility um, in performing what they agreed to do by the heart-mind of my son. They'll be mandated, commanded. They will see their mandate or obligation, in this case, to do what they agreed to do um, by the presence of the heart-mind of the Son of the Father. It's a very much, much deeper than they'll respect him. So you see, <laughs> dumb translators, uh, even though translators, you know, they've done a lot of great, I, I, you know, 90% they're good, okay, whatever. But um, the fine points they miss, they 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 get a B plus, but they don't get an A plus. Tanasaro Biko gets an A plus, but <clears throat> most translators they get a B or a B plus at best, because they um, you know they don't have a commitment. They don't have the, the a rigorous commitment. They're not meticulous or rigorous in their commitment to truth. And um, you know, so the readers fall by the, the teacher's failings. Uh, so, hoping that those that had contracted to offer the fruit of their work and agreed will fulfill their agreement, perhaps, hopefully, hoping that they will gain a sense of responsibility by the heart-mind of the father, of the father's son, actually. The heart-mind of the father's son. Um, reflecting to them their true responsibility to honor their contract. That's the purpose of spiritual teaching. Teacher uh, is a mirror, a somewhat clear mirror, or for the case of great teachers, a perfectly clear mirror. 
so that souls may see themselves more clearly and figure out what the hell they're doing here if they don't know, which most don't. Then, unfortunately, these were uh, scoundrel farmers, <clears throat> which is rare. Most farmers are not. I've lived near farmers. Most of them are quite decent. The cultivators, because they recognize he's the heir, they killed him. And so if you have ears to hear, please hear. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it does happen, even with the best of intentions from a sincere father and a sincere son or a teacher and a teaching that um, negatively oriented humans like to uh, obliterate it. So, <clears throat> 66, Yeshua said from the mire of the Lambdon to interlinear, Yeshua said, show me the stone that the builders rejected, that is the cornerstone. Lambdon, Jesus said, show me the stone which the builders have rejected, that one is the cornerstone. And interlinear is not so different. Yeshua, says Yeshua, show me the stone, this one did they reject it, for, did they reject it forth, i.e., those who are building, it is the stone corner. <laughs> Says Yeshua, show me the stone, this one did they reject it forth, i.e., those who are building, it is the stone corner, <clears throat> the cornerstone. Uh, the one that's rejected is akin to the last that now come first. And this is, uh, you know, Yeshua was really against um, how Judaism or the, the tradition of Abraham had devolved to his time. He was really against Phariseeism and the dominance of the rabbinate uh, over the peoples of Israel, Judea, wherever that was. And um, the, the elitism, the chosen people notion, was... Um, soundly, consciously, deliberately, heavily rejected by Yeshua to the notion that if you follow the way of love, then you can enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not required to follow Mosaic Code as has been done, and the chosen people are those who live in love, not those who follow uh, the law. And so it's the movement from um, rigid the, the, the movement from um, heaven being accessible only to those um, legalistically obedient members of a tribe to those who are from anywhere a universality of, of membership who follow the way of love being their brother's keeper and living in morality basically <laughs> living a moral life and you see Yeshua didn't say you have to follow me and be a Christian and I think Christianity has devolved obviously in 2000 years to the point where the idea is if you join up and uh, take Jesus as your Savior as the only begotten Son of God who's washed in the blood of the Lamb and then you're saved then you join up then you're saved uh, he was not saying that he was not saying uh, do what I tell you, but follow this way of morality. And um, the kingdom of heaven within and everywhere, uh, not only have faith in him, but also live a moral life as the key to the kingdom. And 
this notion that um, what the others, the builders rejected, could we say the masons rejected? <laughs> that is the cornerstone. And so the ones that at the bottom are outside society, uh, yet if they have faith and live in virtue, uh, they'll enter the kingdom. And so those that are building uh, choose the elite. <clears throat> and Yeshua very much was seeking the lambs that had strayed and the ones that uh, were outside were supposedly outside salvation at that time. 67. Yeshua said, One who knows all but lacks within is utterly lacking. From Lambden, Jesus said, If one who knows the all still feels a personal deficiency, he is completely deficient. That's quite different. So the first point is knowing all. Both Lambda and Meyer agree. We're talking about somebody who knows it all, a know-it-all. But this may be a reference to book learning or the scribes uh, of his time. You know, there's a difference between the scholar and the sage. Uh, the scholar may or may not have awakening, may or may not be moral. And so morality and awakening are both needed, not one or the other. And certainly, book knowledge um, without living it, right? Uh, not walking the talk um, is deficient. And that's what this is relating to. But the question is what's the problem? There's the person who knows everything, whatever that means, but they're lacking within in the mire. In the Lambden, it still feels a personal deficiency. So it is that they have a certain feeling. Let's see what the interlinear says says Yeshua, he who is acquainted with the all of it, he lacks self-him, lacks the place all of it. Oh, so you see a very different version here. So this is a, obviously a, a stanza that was controversial. The Bernard translation is Yeshua says, whoever knows everything but himself lacks everything. Obviously, that makes sense as a piece of wisdom, knowing transient information, knowing facts and figures, but not knowing yourself, your deep mind, your strengths and weaknesses, your psychopathology, not knowing uh, your motivations, not knowing um, you know, uh, the basis of any tendencies that are harmful to self and other. That's ignorance. And that ignorance, you know, that sort of gaining the world of knowledge but neglecting the world, uh, the inner world of the, of the mind, of, of the personality of, con of one's personal being. Uh, that lack is, is a total lack or deficiency. That totally makes sense. Uh, but if we're very close to the interlinear or the um, literal, he who is acquainted with the all of it is not the same as knows everything. He's acquainted with the all of it, familiar with everything. But uh, he who he is acquainted with the all of it, he lacks self-him. He lacks himself. That one lacks the place, all of it. <laughs> now, there's all sorts of different things that may be intended here, but I can't be sure. Uh, 
is there a problem with simply being acquainted with everything? Acquainted with the all of it? Acquainted with the all of it, is that really the same as knowing everything? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, is there a problem knowing everything? Maybe, maybe not. <clears throat> if there's no problem, there's no problem if you know yourself and you know lots and lots of book knowledge or facts and figures or worldly things. If you know yourself well and you live in virtue, I don't see if there's a much of a problem. But uh, it may be that the very seeking to know everything worldly or to know everything doctrinally in the books and the scriptures, just that itself expresses a deficiency. Just that is um, an inadequate focus on the self or on one's, one's personal process. And the point is, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven, you can't evolve spiritually if you're hurting self and other unconsciously <laughs> or consciously. If, you're, if you are, you know, to the extent that we have um, ignorance of um, our patterns that may be uh, harmful of self and other, the three poisons, grasping, aversion, ignorance, to the extent that we're greedy, to the extent that we're dishonest, to the extent that we're, we are self-avoidant or we're in denial uh, in avoidance of some shadow or some, some aspects of self that we hate or don't want to see, uh, then we're, we're, we have blockage and there's a deficiency, obviously. And so you can't get to fourth density as a scholar. <laughs> you have to get there as a, as a virtuous person who demonstrates virtue um, in life to self and other. So there certainly are limits to the value of being acquainted with the all of it. Uh, on the other hand, uh, some of the best sages were scholars before, and so it's a more subtle matter. But surely the one who lacks himself is missing a focus, a proper or a um, balanced, adequate focus on his own being, but focuses on the outer, whether it's the outer of gaining wealth, or buying and selling, or the outer of accumulation of knowledge. Um, the hylic is the one given to buying and selling. They're the lowest level. <laughs> that, that, that's the lowest level spiritually. And in this upside-down world, they're at the top level, right? The cover of every magazine nearly has the buyers and the sellers. Not just corporate, but they're the buyers and sellers of themselves. <laughs> they sell themselves for money uh, in whatever field, generally. So the buyers and the sellers are the hylics. Those that are, seek to be acquainted with the all of it are often the psychics. Those that are the intellectuals, the scientists, the materialist intellectuals, the materialist scientists, the materialist social critics. If you want to see some really messed up people, look at movie critics uh, or theater critics. They're really a bunch of unhappy folks. So the psychics are no much better than the hylics. Uh, they're just buying and selling ideas rather than buying and selling objects for, for money <laughs> or uh, buying and selling themselves. Uh, but surely um, the one who uh, gains all knowledge or seeks to gain massive knowledge at the expense of um, inner awareness, inner you know, self-knowledge, or inner development, that person really has nothing, uh, metaphysically. 
like Howard Storm, right? Howard Storm had lots of knowledge, and he went to hell anyway. 68, Yeshua said, Blessings on you when you are hated and persecuted, and no place will be found wherever you are persecuted. That's not clear. Uh, the Lambdon, Jesus said, Blessed are you when you are hated and persecuted. Wherever you have been persecuted, they will find no place. And so, it's a matter... Yeah, you know, got to be careful with Mr. Meyer. He's already proven himself to be um, quite off-base, <laughs> calling uh, the, one, the, the vineyard owner who's good or kind, calling him the usurer. This is a <laughs> mark against Mr. Meyer. And here in 68, um, Yeshua is saying, no place, he translates blessings on you when you're hated and persecuted, which is not much different than Lambda, and blessed are you when you're hated and persecuted, okay. So being hated, being persecuted, yet you may be blessed. And from Meyer, no place will be found wherever you are persecuted, very unclear. What do you mean no place will be found? Found by who? The hated and the persecuted? Yes, actually. No place will be found by them. Uh, Lambden explains it better and says, translates, wherever you have been persecuted, they will find no place. That makes sense. Uh, but it's still not clear uh, they, being the persecutors, which at his time were the Romans and the Jewish Orthodoxy, um, who were very into persecuting Yeshua and the followers, and still have the same mind, uh, they will find no place. Certainly they don't enter heaven. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is not for them. Uh, but there is some idea that what, the followers who were persecuted would be preserved somehow? Let's look at the interlinear. Says Yeshua, Yourselves among blessed, when they hate you, and they act to persecute you, and you will find not location in the place where did they persecute you, in heart-mind of it. So again, <laughs> It's not unusual that the original is too esoteric for the translators. So, uh, a teacher uh, of greater development than his her translators uh, will have his or her message degraded. And um, <laughs> I'm very familiar with uh, Lost in Translation from books that were translated into um, Japan, Japanese, two books. Um, much is lost much, much is lost in translation, and the translators don't even have the mind to consult carefully with the author. The translators don't even have a mind of close consultation with the author. wonder why that is. So that's the norm that I've had with translations from Japan and China and uh, Poland. They just don't care. They do it their own way. They think they know, and, uh, you know, truth, <laughs> truth be gone. So, welcome to planet Earth. So yourselves are among the blessed. You're not blessed, you're among the blessed. You're not the only ones blessed being persecuted, but being persecuted, you're among those others who are also being blessed. Don't think you're outside it for, 
for the fact that you're being persecuted. And so don't, if you're persecuted or hated, the one thing to consider is why am I being persecuted and hated? <laughs> if you take a very um, fine analysis, magnification, to the analysis of what what is the basis, what have I done, and what are they blaming me of? Um, one can see whether there is justification or not, or what degree of justification there may or may not be for their blaming or persecution on what we uh, said or did. They often There often will be some justification or something we can say, oh yes, well, I can see how that was understood a certain way. Or I can understand how what I said or did was taken as some blame, basis of blame. But <laughs> some of those who are blaming love to hurt you. <laughs> They're not blaming you and persecuting because they want to help you. They want to hurt you. So there is justified criticism, constructive criticism, and then there's destructive criticism. And so, um, you know, <laughs> it's very common these days that uh, destructive criticism is all over the internet. Lots of people get paid to put out destructive criticism. They're just attacking Satan the accuser. And um, it's good to analyze oneself, I think, to see what have I, have I done something wrong? You know, am I at fault? Um, to what extent am I at fault? Where is my fault? Uh, and to be real honest, if there is. However, <laughs> some of the people who are attacking or criticizing are paid. And they're government agents. Or they're paid by some agency. Uh, of course. And uh, it's not constructive, it's, it's destructive. And they don't want to help, they want to hurt. So, got to know that. But Yeshua was saying, you're, some of you, or you among... Uh, you who are being persecuted are among the blessed. They hate you. They habitually hate you. And they act to persecute you. Um, you will not find a location in the place where did they persecute you in the heart-mind of it. And Bernard translated this as to blessed are you when you are hated and persecuted and you shall find no place there where you have been persecuted. <laughs> Not really. Um, it seems to me uh, he's saying you are among the blessed when or even though they habitually hate you and persecute you and you will not find a location or a place where there or or you won't find a location in that place where they're persecuting you in the heart mind of it uh, it's too esoteric for me too mm, you can't find the heart mind of it uh, certainly um, there is no place of true heart mind in the place of persecution, but there is bless, there is blessing. So in the place of persecution, or when one's being persecuted, unjustly attacked, unjustly, destructively criticized, um, in that location, there is no heart-mind, <laughs> there's no love, obviously. Uh, and I think there's some saying that, some sense that, um, don't worry, that's not your place. 
your true place is not the place of persecution. You'll be blessed in the place of persecution. Being persecuted, even being persecuted, you're still blessed. Um, but the heart-mind you seek is not this place. And um, you will um, emerge from the persecution place to a better place. Uh, the heart-mind you're seeking is not there. And don't worry, uh, because this is just necessary based on your following me and those that, that Yeshua was calling out. 69. Now, we're going to get to the end here. This will be the last, last one. And actually, this is a good place to end because it follows 68 closely in, in meaning. Yeshua said, Blessings on you have been, who have been persecuted in your hearts. Only you truly know the Father. Blessings on you who are hungry, that the stomach of someone else in want may be filled. Uh, off to Lambden, 69. Jesus said, Blessed are they who have been persecuted within themselves. It is they who have truly come to know the Father. Blessed are the hungry, for the belly of him who desires will be filled. And um, the now untrustworthy Meyer um, is quite different, untrustworthy to me. If you call a good man a usurer, there's something wrong with you. Uh, and so, uh, the second portion here, Meyer translates, Blessings on you who are hungry that the stomach of someone else in want may be filled. Um, so those who are hungry are blessed uh, so that or in relation to that whereby the stomach of someone else in want is filled. Meaning you're hungry because they're getting fed but not you and you're blessed. Meanwhile, Lambden's saying, uh, blessed are the hungry for the belly of him who desires will be filled not blessed are you the hungry because you're giving up your place your food for somebody else somebody else in want will get it but the belly of him who desires will be filled so we can see that these some of these are difficult to translate uh, the first section blessed are those who've been persecuted within themselves is lambda or persecuted in your hearts which is not a bad way of putting it from Meyer internal persecution or the experience of inward persecution it's not persecution by yourself but it's persecution um, that touches the inner uh, which is a sense um, I would say I mean it's hard to say what was originally meant but some sense of um, being blamed for your very being being blamed at the level of your very essence and being considered an unworthy being, not simply a bad guy for doing this or that, or believing or joining this or that group or following Yeshua, but uh, inner persecution. And um, it's hard to say, but you see, a lot of the people around Yeshua made great sacrifice. They left their family, and Yeshua talking about, you know, turning against your mother and father and all that. There probably were a lot of people who were Jews or in that community. Uh, who left it to follow Yeshua. This is something that we don't know, I don't know about, and it may be very real matter of historical record that some or many of his followers were 
you know, born Jewish and turned against their parents and their rabbi and their synagogue and their community to follow Yeshua. That's a big deal, actually, for any anybody. And so that may be associated with this persecuted in your hearts and you'll truly know the Father uh, from, from having to question your own um, essential moral value, um, which is... Uh, at the level of where the criticism of them was coming, you know, I mean, where it was received at their very essence, you know, you are a bad child, you are a bad Jew, you are a bad uh, member of my family or the community, is very deep, deeply um, penetrating criticism. And then let's look at the interlinear. Interestingly, there there's a 69A and B. Uh, says Yeshua. Among blessed ones are these, did they persecute them in their heart-mind, those. They who did recognize the Father in a truth. <laughs> totally different than the other guys. 69b. Some blessed ones, those who hunger, so that they shall sate the belly of him who desires. <laughs> totally different than the true translations of Meyer Lambden. So, uh, Bernhard mm, takes the original A, 69A, and says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted in their heart. They are those who have recognized the Father in truth. And the second portion, Yeshua says, Blessed are the hungry, for the belly of him who desires shall be filled. Let's look at these quickly and then call it a day. Says Yeshua, certainly the point is not blessed are you, but you are among the blessed. Now you can say it's the same, but it's a little different. You're not the only one being blessed. You're among the blessed nevertheless. Among the blessed, not you are blessed. It's a little bit uh, less uh, self-aggrandizing, perhaps. You're among the blessed. Are among the blessed include these, did they persecute them, meaning those that were persecuted, in their heart-mind? Heart-mind persecuted. Very important. Those, uh, sorry, in their heart-mind, those they did, though they who did recognize the Father in a truth. So, they are those who have recognized the Father in truth. They're being persecuted deeply, not just scourged or beaten but persecuted in their heart, in their heart-mind, in, internally, deeply, um, in association with their recognition of the truth of the Father, basically for being Christian, or following, not even the Christian, but just following Yeshua's teaching of the Father. Because um, following Yeshua and uh, accepting his teaching of Heavenly Father is very directly against uh, Abraham as the Father. It's uh, choosing a different father. It's a very big deal for the person and then the community that has um, somebody um, depart with such a, you know, with such a conversion. So, uh, among the blessed are those who are persecuted deeply in heart-mind, uh, I would say, for their recognition of the truth of the Father. And uh, also is blessed, or among the blessed are also those who are hungering so that they shall sate the belly of him who desires. 
uh, it isn't saying that those who hunger shall be fed. It's saying um, those that are hungry are also among the blessed. Um, so that, in order to, they're hungering in order to um, satisfy the belly of what? Uh, their, their own desires or their own needs? Hard to say what it means. But certainly, uh, Yeshua was a champion of the poor and the outcast. And um, he's really saying, uh, you, even though you are at the bottom of this society, either persecuted or marginalized, ex, uh, exiled or hungry and poor and impoverished, you too may be blessed um, if you know the truth of the Father and live it, uh, or truly seek to satisfy uh, a deeper level of hunger or spiritual need. Uh, whether they were or not, I don't know. But certainly, uh, those that are at the bottom of society are also uh, worthy and uh, capable of self-redemption or redemption, uh, this perhaps was not, not a notion well appreciated 2,000 years ago in that society as we more so do today. That um, the gates of heaven are open to all, whether you're born in this tribe and follow these legalisms or not, whether you're rich or poor, hungry or sated, um, persecuted or glorified, uh, for all the gates to Fort Density are open <laughs> by the way of love and the way of virtue in life uh, and knowing the path to a certain degree or at least having faith that there is a greater path and a greater life so that's where we're going to end for today next time we start at 70 70 please take a note so 70 and we'll move our way to 114 so 44 to go, 70 is where we start next time. Thank you so much for being here. I hope it was helpful. Take good care of yourselves, and good night.